This is called Pirate Radio. We tell ourselves that we are the walking dead. Get on the mic. Get, get on the mic. Just get on the mic. Get, get on, on the, the mic, mic. Lady, I'm afraid I'm going to have to ask you to leave the store. Who the hell are you? Name's Ash. Housewares. It is useless to resist. Don't let yourself be destroyed as only one did. I swear to God. Swear to me. You know the difference between justice and punishment. I will end you. Hello again and welcome to GGR Pirate Radio Live. My name is Mike Lunsford. Uh, thank you all for tuning in tonight. That, uh, it is Tuesday, uh, January the 18th, 2016. Uh, tonight we've got a fantastic show for you. Uh, we've got, once again, back on the show, we've got uh, Andy Barsh. Andy Barsh is our head contributor at GGR. Uh, we're going to... I don't even really want to describe this right now until I bring Andy on because this is such a cool idea that we started with. This all came out came about last year uh, when we did an article. Um, it was it was originally my article, and then I had Andy help me really kind of refine some of the points. We did an article where we did um, crossovers from a bunch of different universes. Um, let me actually pull it up because you can pull it up yourself too if you've got the internet right now. And that's going to be www.greatgeekrefuge.com. The article is called Five Crossovers. I'm pulling it up right now, and uh, we'll kind of discuss that, kind of give you a little bit of background on what this one was. Uh, this was our – I'm trying to think of the first ones we talked about that were the big ones there. Give me just a second here as I pull these up for you. Wouldn't it have been nice if I had had that already up and running? Yeah, well, not everybody can be always prepared at all times. Um, so we started here with the five franchise crossovers that would rock if you go to GGR. There's a little handy-dandy search bar right there at the top. All you got to type in is uh, franchise crossovers, and you'll be looking at it right there. Uh, we did Iron Man versus Batman because, I mean, they're essentially the same person anyways. Uh, we did um, the Sprinting Zombies from 28 Days Later versus Humanity in the future versus the Terminators. We also did uh, Aliens versus Guardians of the Galaxy, which was my personal favorite. Uh, we did... Uh, the Power Rangers versus Voltron, I take that back. That one was my favorite because Godzilla shows up in the end. Um, you'll have to check that one out. Really, really enjoy that. And then the obligatory Star War, uh, Star Trek versus Star Wars. So we're going to do the sequel, and we're going to do this live um, like Bill O'Reilly screams all the time. We're doing it live. Uh, this is Andy Barsh, and we're going to talk about uh, the five, uh, the franchise crossovers part two. Andy, are you there? Yes, sir, I am. How are you today? I'm fantastic. Thank you so much for joining us. On Thank you for having here. me. Let's let's jump right into this, man. Um, I know we've talked about this um, a little bit. We've talked about some of our cool ideas. Uh, one of the ones that I know you were really, really happy with was your um, was your Doctor Who. <laughs> that was uh, yeah. the guy from Saw that just said greetings to you. I don't know if you heard that or not. Uh, <laughs> I got a whole soundboard here, and it's like pseudo professional, pretending to be at least. Oh, yeah. Um, so I know you wanted to, uh, you had the Doctor Who uh, meets Superman one, and I'm teasing that because we're not going to talk about that one yet because that one's awesome. We're going to go with one Thank of my you. one of my goofy ones first. The first one that I had was um, I, I really liked the idea of the movie Saw, and I and I saw the first one, and I, I want to say I saw the second one too. Um, 
the third one, I, I just I kind of stopped after a while. It just was kind of repetitive. But I love the idea of uh, Arnold Schwarzenegger from The Running Man <laughs> crossing over with uh, the Saw franchise. And basically what it is is um, Richard Dawson's character, Killian, ends up hiring the Saw guy to basically broadcast his cruel traps that he has everybody in. And he puts Ben Richards in there um, to fight his way out of the, uh, the Saw maze slash um, Running Man premise there. Oh God! <laughs> and I just honestly like just just picture this for a second, right? So you've got you've got the guy from Saw, and and you know Schwarzenegger comes on there, and he's like, "What am I doing here? What's going on? Who are you, you son of a bitch?" Yeah. So he says things like that, and then you hear this. Greetings and welcome. I want to play a game. Uh oh! And he sees that puppet, and he's all freaked out. But the puppet tells him what's going to happen. Ben, you've got to find your way out of this. Because you killed millions of people, and the you're the butcher of Bakersfield, and this puppet's gonna make you do all these crazy things to get out if you are truly innocent, like you say. And then, of course, he's gonna say to the puppet, "But I hope you leave enough room for my fist, because I'm going to ram it into your stomach and break your goddamn spine." It's basically just a cheap excuse to uh, have Schwarzenegger drop one-liners. Um, I mean, and I'm sure that he'd be okay with that because he's trying to get back into his film career, so. I would thoroughly enjoy it. Really, there's no story other than that, other than just Schwarzenegger just dropping one-liners and fighting a puppet. I mean, like, I'm okay with this. I'd pay money to see that. I would see. I would love to see Schwarzenegger just screaming at a puppet for 90 minutes. That would be awesome. <laughs> just yelling horrible things. What the hell were And then thinking? at the end, they just end up doing, like, a ventriloquism act. It's like, oh, how are you today, Saw, man? Uh, oh, because they're best friends now, and he would say things. Yeah. Hello, they're good buddies now. Pie? Yeah. Hi, honey. How are you? <laughs> I'm just going to keep playing with this soundboard because I'm 12 years old, apparently. Ugh. Oh, my God. Stop it! Okay, sorry. Sorry, Arnie. We'll stop <laughs> it. Okay. Okay. I'm sorry. You idiot! Okay, geez. You don't have to get so angry about it. All right, so the next one, and this is... this is. Go ahead with one that you got. I know you have a couple that are uh, kind of floating around there. We're going to save your, uh, your Doctor Who Superman one for the last, but uh, give me one of the ones that you got. Okay, I, I have I don't have it fleshed out 100, percent but it's basically an idea. That's okay. Um, and I'm not gonna give out the entire thing all all at once. It's, it's sort of like a story. You learn what it is as the story goes on. Yeah. But it begins. It takes place in the universe of 1980s New York. Okay. Um, and it's the 1980s Ninja Turtles cartoon show, pretty much. Um, and so it starts off just for for once in a while, nothing big is going on. Uh, they're just watching movies down the cellar. And uh, all of a sudden, there's like a big like crash going on, and there's like all this vib- vibration going up on the surface above. And Donatello's just like, "Well, what's going on, guys?" And so they uh... well, hang on, hang on, hang on. While you're doing this, let me set the the, the mood for you um, because okay. you need to have the music. Of course. There you go. Go ahead. All right. So, um, so you know they do the whole they they're like, well. It's bringing the whole layer down, and all the stuff's falling apart, and it's gonna crash. You know, basically, the, the, their entire sewer is, is gonna fall apart if this, like, if all these vibrations keep going on. So, um, the turtles end up going up to the surface, and they just hear like all these crashes and banging, and you know, all this like these huge explosions and noises and stuff. So they end up go- going to the top of these rooftops, and they're following the, the noises. And once they get to, like, this big intersection, they see Optimus Prime, Bumblebee, uh, Megatron, 
uh, you know, Starscream, the 80s Transformers fighting each other, and it's a little bit out of the Turtles League, so they really don't know how to handle the situation. Uh, but basically what happens is, um, I'm just piecing this together, but I'm guessing, like, maybe something, like, maybe, um... Maybe Krang teams up with Megatron, yeah. and they end up making, like, a big machine or something like that. Hang on, wait a minute. You're saying Krang teams up with Transformers? Are you ready for this? Yeah. Oh, yeah. It's happening. We went from Turtles to Transformers. Yeah. Absolutely. Oh, and a little Krang, too. I mean... Yeah, oh, what would be, you know what would be even better? Is if you had Megatron, like, put Krang's little brain thing inside of him. And he became the body. Huh? Possibly, yeah. Maybe Krang takes over Megatron's body and, uh, and it, they just, he just creates, or maybe the whole, me the whole, uh, Technodrome is a huge transformer now. So the Technodrome just comes to this big, gigantic machine. Whoa. That turns from a gigantic metal testicle into some, <laughs> you know... <laughs> Giant metal testicle, <laughs> and uh, and yeah, it just it it turns them Mega Maid or something. I don't know Mega Maid. Oh, like yeah. in uh, like in Spaceballs. Holy shit! There's another crossover. All of a sudden, it's in Spaceballs. I wanted to I wanted to cross over Spaceballs with something, but I couldn't think of anything good. I, the only thing I can really think about is like Star Wars actually crossing over with Spaceballs. <laughs> I mean, that that would be crazy. But spoiler alert: now that Han Solo is uh, is gone. Um, you need another character. So, I mean, Bill Pullman as uh, Lone Star. There you go. Lone Star. Yeah, that'd be <laughs> I'm awesome. your father's brother's mother's cousin's former roommate. Yeah, that'd be great. What does that uh, make us? Absolutely nothing. And the, uh, they're make they're apparently there's rumors of them making Spaceballs too now, which yeah, I'm ecstatic about. That's that's supposedly happening. So I'm I'm pretty excited about that one too. Are you ready for this one? Because this is like this is my gem. I think we're gonna do two each. Um. Okay. Because I'll let you do your Doctor Who and Superman one next. Because um, I'm going to do this one. Because uh, we'll keep it short. Because I got another guest too. I got one of our other writers, Ben uh, Ben Bedgood, uh, Zombie Ben Bedgood, is going to be coming on as well. We're going to be talking about his tribute that he did for uh, David Bowie and uh, for Alan Rickman. Um, but I told you about this one, and I just I giggled with excitement because this one sounds so much like so much fun. Um, let's go ahead and set the tone first here. Here we go. So as you can hear, this is the music from uh, from Indiana Jones. I got to do the voice too. It's the late 1930s. The Nazi plague is sweeping across Europe. America's frightened. What's going to be happening next? So of course, what good would Indiana Jones be in the 19 like late 1930s, early 1940s if we didn't have another major character that was involved as well? And that would be old Mr. Red, White, and Blue himself, and that would be Captain America. These guys existed in the same time period. They were both fighting a common enemy. I don't see how you can't have these guys cross over. So the way I'm seeing this happen, right, is you got Red Skull, who's talking to Hitler, and he's like, you know, in order for us to win this war, we must think outside of the normal means. We must use alternate weapons, which is like how he found the Tesseract and stuff, right? But also, too, he's got an even better idea. What he wants to do is he wants to go to this very silent, like special island right off the coast of Costa Rica. Maybe you've heard of it. I don't know. Isla Nubar. It, it's it's, it's a, not a well-known uh, island at all. But what he wants to do is he knows of this archaeologist, Dr. Henry Jones, if you will, um, who has found a mosquito inside of some amber. And you want to know what's inside that mosquito? 
What's in that mosquito? What's in that mosquito? <laughs> the DNA of a Tyrannosaurus Rex. No. Oh, yes. Red Skull plans on taking that DNA and making his own weapon. Nazi weapon, if you will, because he's a Nazi. His own Nazi weapon of genetically modified dinosaurs recreated in Jurassic or Cretaceous period, whatever. But it would be Nazi Jurassic Park. Ooh. So Captain America finds of this evil plan that's happening. This music isn't fitting. It's like the Jurassic Park music needs to kick it up a little bit. Here we go. There we go. There we go. All right. <laughs> so, so Captain America finds out about this plot. And he goes to tell Dr. Jones of the impending doom. But Jones has already been captured by the Red Skull. They have to fight their way through Nazi Jurassic Park. Fighting the zombies. Zombies. <laughs> fighting the dinosaurs along the way. But not only that... I don't see this happening unless you can have velociraptors with German accents. It's, it's the only way I can picture this happening, right? Like, So they like, talk too? Yeah. Oh, yeah. Well, yeah. <laughs> of course they do. He's got the Tesseract. Why not? He's got Tesseract and Amber with dinosaur DNA in it. So they're talking, okay? So <laughs> you've so got... going around going, Nazi mama, Nazi mama. So, no, it's not a dinosaur's. <laughs> and, they, and they hit each other with frying pans and... We're just, all bets are off, right? We're just crossing over all franchises at this point. Okay. So, I just pictured the the, the Velociraptors, like, unlocking a door. And and Indy being like, I can't believe they can unlock doors. And they're like, there are many things that we can do, Dr. Jones. And they have, like, a monocle, of course, too. Cause we invented the internet. Yeah, exactly. We are very clever. In fact, we are one of the smartest dinosaurs of all time. And, of course, Indy and uh, Cap would be able to defeat the German Velociraptors just by punching them because that's how Indy beats everything. Um, but they haven't faced their biggest threat yet. Red Skull has decided that there's no way that he's going to be able to defeat Cap and Indiana Jones together by himself. So what does he do? He drugs Der Fuhrer, Adolf Hitler, and brings him to Isla Nubar and removes his brain and places it into the body of a Tyrannosaurus Rex. This was his plan all along. It's Hitler Rex or Adolf Tyrannosaurus Hitler Hitler Rex, looks fine. Uh, Hitler Rex? okay alright we'll go with Hitler Rex Hitler Saurus Rex thank you Eric Hitler Hitler Saurus Rex <laughs> so, so Indian Cap are trying valiantly to fight Hitler Saurus Rex and there's no way that they're going to win they just aren't going to be able to pull it off they're, they don't have the resources but they luck out and you'll notice the music stopped. Why did the music stop? What's going on? What are we missing? There's one person that came to save the day. He can fly. But not only can he fly, he has a rocket pack, a very special rocket pack that he found that was developed by the Nazis themselves. He's using their own weapons against them, but he's fighting for truth, for justice, for... Wait, no, that's another guy. Um, he's fighting for America. He's fighting for freedom. It's the Rocketeer. He comes and he saves Indy, and he saves Captain America. And now, I mean, of course, they're all, like, together because, like, the Rocketeer's just holding on to them or something. I don't know. But Captain America throws his shield, and he hits the Tyrannosaurus Rex right between the eyes. And, of course, Indy has his gun because that's what he uses when he's in trouble. And he shoots the Tyrannosaurus Rex, but it's not enough. So the Rocketeer sacrifices his rocket pack and propels the rocket pack right into the Tyrannosaurus Rex, and it explodes, saving the world from uh, Hitlersaurus Rex. Thank Indiana you. Indiana Jones says, you belong in a museum. So do you, Dr. Jones. <laughs> 
If only you spoke Velociraptor. If only you were able to discuss this with us peacefully, Dr. Jones, but you must die instead. Oh, <laughs> you thought you could stop us, but we've learned how to open the doors. I've got the blue square, Dr. Jones. <laughs> we have the Tesseract, and we taught ourselves English, but unamazingly, we only can speak English in this German accent, yeah. All right, Andy. So let's let's. You know, there was one other one that I wanted to do, just because like so many of these are just dudes just like beating each other up. Like we we got to give the, the the ladies some of their service, and I think the the one character that could really hold her own in a fight, as far as like the female superheroes go, that really hasn't gotten the fan service yet is is Wonder Woman. There she goes. Wonder Woman. Now the question is, is do we want to do Wonder Woman versus She-Hulk? Or do we want to do like Wonder Woman versus um, like Miss Marvel or something like that? Just a battle royale? Yeah, well, it doesn't have to be a battle royale. It could just be like a... I don't know. I got nothing. I was going to go somewhere with that. You've got nothing. It doesn't have to be a battle royale. I would enjoy it either way. I love me some Wonder Woman and She-Hulk, sir. Just Wonder Woman and She-Hulk? I think that would be great. And then, of course, She-Hulk would have to like take her to court. And sue her, because, you know, she's a lawyer, too, so. Yeah, exactly. I don't really know how that would work. I think they would just talk, get a beer, and then talk smack about male superheroes all day. And be like, oh, yeah, and they could totally agree that Aquaman blows. Yeah, okay. Yeah, absolutely. I can see that. Okay. All right, so there we go. <laughs> Let's go ahead and give them the best one. Honestly, man, your your Superman Doctor Who one is is by far my favorite. It's such a good one. Well, um, Thank you, I appreciate that. But let's let's give a few honorable mentions though to some ideas that didn't make it. Oh yeah, okay, all right. Let's go ahead. let's talk about the one that featured uh, the Matrix. Oh shit, I <laughs> forgot about this one. So, we, oh god, we wanted to do because I'm a big fan of Tron. Like I loved I loved the movie Tron. I loved the reboot that they did Tron uh, Legacy. Um, give me one second. Um, I'm looking for something specific here. Um, you can sum this whole thing up in one word. Well, hang on a second. I want to. I want to lead into it. So here, all right. All we got right. the Tron music in the background, right? All right. So Tron is the real world, right? But you can go into Tron, and you can exist in this this microcosm, essentially, this world that uh, that Jeff Bridges, the dude, created himself, um, that was self sustaining, supposedly, and all sorts of bad things happened, and that's why you have to go back to Tron. Um, but also there's another world, too, that's a fabrication, and that would be the Matrix. Uh, but we've decided that the only the next person that would need to go into Tron uh, to try to save the world would be Joey Lawrence. Uh, and once Joey Lawrence is in there, Neo, Neo decides that he has to go into Tron as well. So he has to go, essentially, into a Matrix within the Matrix to stop Joey Lawrence, because if he doesn't stop Joey Lawrence, stopping what's going on in Tron will stop the whole world, and the Matrix will destroy, and robots, and weird architect guy like talking about vis-a-vis -vis, ergo concordantly and smith will show up it'll just be a whole mess but honestly like it can be summed up like you said with one word and it's just joey lawrence and neo going back and forth going whoa 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 so what you're saying is i can dodge bullets whoa. what i'm saying is whoa whoa <laughs> all right that was... it's so stupid <laughs> it is really stupid whoa <laughs> It's the Matrix. Whoa. Okay. All right. That was horrible. Which whoa is better. Whoa is me. Okay. Whoa. 
So you're saying I know. I wanted to give is is the Die Hard Lethal Weapon crossover that I wanted to plan out so much, but I can't think of anything to do with it. Right Die now. Hard Lethal Weapon. That... Yeah, John McClane, uh, Martin Riggs, and Roger Murtaugh. Just those three guys in a movie. You know, and they all it takes place in L.A., so they could, you know, meet up at some point, like before Die Hard Three. Yeah. Okay. Twelve terrorists, one cop. The odds are against John McClane. And Riggs and Murtaugh. That's just Every the way cop they is like two it. Two days from retirement. <laughs> I'm getting too old for this shit. Yeah. And we're playing Ode to Joy, which is apparently the theme song to Die Hard. Yeah, I guess. Okay. They play in the trailers, I think. Yeah. Okay. Um, one of the other ones uh, we were talking about, um, Keanu Reeves there for a second. I-, I came up with this idea years and years and years ago. It was basically Keanu Reeves on the set of The Devil's Advocate talking to Al Pacino, and Pacino trying to convince Keanu Reeves that everything that he's done in his life is just him doing things in a movie. Like, it, he's an actor. Like, he's not. he doesn't actually know kung fu. And it's basically like, it's like, so, like, you're saying that you're the devil and you're my father, but I also know kung fu? No, Keanu. You, you friggin' idiot. Listen to me. This is all movies. No, wait. So, like, you're the devil, but you were also... Like, um, like that Serpico guy, right? So you're like a cop and you're a devil cop. No, Keanu, would you listen to me? These are all movies. Wait, no, hang on. So like, I jumped out of a plane, like going after Patrick Swayze. So like, is, is this before or at, whoa, hang on. I'm really confused. <laughs> and it, it, that's basically this it. This before or after we went back in time in a phone booth. Yeah, wait, no, because I went back in time in a phone booth, I can do whatever I want. Wait, because this is all the Matrix. I met Beethoven there. Whoa, and Socrates. <laughs> and now I gotta sing about Christmas. <laughs> and I'm gonna get bitten by a vampire. And I'm gonna be a quarterback in the NFL. And Gene Hackman's there. And so is John Favreau. Okay, oh, that's all Lord. I got. All right. All right, so let's let's close strong, Andy. Here you got you got like five minutes, bud. Give us your your, your awesome Superman Doctor Who crossover that you got. Okay, thank you, sir. Mm-hmm. Um, all right, well, imagine this takes place millions of or thousands of years ago on the planet Krypton before it exploded. Uh, Jor El is like out looking for uh, you know like specimens or whatever, doing his science biz, and he's out there by himself. And all of a sudden, he comes across this blue box. It says "Police Call Public Call Box" on it. Yeah. And all of a sudden, this little this little guy comes out, and he's like, he's like, "Hello, my name's the Doctor. How are you today?" And all that stuff. So at one point, Jor-El has met the Doctor. Fast forward to present day, and there's like, uh, there's like trouble in downtown Metropolis near Star Labs, and um, Metallo is like tearing ass through the entire place looking for stuff, and like he does, he's looking for something specific, but he's not really hurting anybody, but he's definitely causing a lot of damage. So of course, Superman comes in. And, you know, takes Metallo out, you know, and, and all this stuff. And he's talking to Dr. Hamilton. And Dr. Hamilton's like, well, what's this all about? What's he here for? And Metallo doesn't seem to be in his right mind. He seems like he's sort of distracted. And uh, all of a sudden, Superman sees this guy and with, like, spiky hair, you know, long brown coats, you know. And uh, just, his... just for clarification, too, which doctor is this? This is the 10th doctor. Okay. Just because just he's my favorite. Okay. Um... And so, you know, the doctor's like, oh, it's Superman. I'm such a big fan of you. I can't do, I can't do David Tennant's voice. <laughs> but, uh, okay. but he's like, it's an honor to meet you. And, you know, he's, he's there, you know, Professor Hamilton and Superman are like, well, what's this weird little funny guy doing here? And he starts talking about, you know, he seems to know more about why Metallo's here. And he gives, and sure enough, he seems to be like a, you know, 
reliable source. And so he and Superman team up to get more information, even though, you know, Superman be doing a bunch of things, but this is my fan fiction, so who cares? Uh, so, <laughs> it's my uh, story. I'll do what I want. Oh, it's my story. I do what I want to do, you guys. I'm going home. So, um, so basically, it, it boils down to, uh, I'm not sure who, I think it'll probably be the Daleks at this point. You know the trash can looking guys with like the plunger on their on their face. Yeah. Exterminate. Uh, thinking, exterminate. Exterminate. Exterminate those guys. Yeah. yeah. Okay. So I'm thinking what they want is they were trying to get some technology from Star Labs that will make them evolve into better beings. Because let's face it, the Daleks, you know, they're cool designs, but they're not very practical. You know, despite them being pop culture British icons, gotcha. they're not very practical. Um. So, uh, it turns out it's all it's all Brainiac behind everything. Brainiac is team up with the Daleks. It's Brainiac, you say? Yeah, Brainiac. Brainiac is back from the dead, people. So, uh, so basically, what happens is Brainiac, the Daleks, uh, and Brainiac uh, overpowers the Daleks. You know, he, he fools them, whatever. And there ends up become there ends up being a fight inside the TARDIS between Superman and Brainiac. And Brainiac actually infects the TARDIS's controls. And the TARDIS, if you don't know, it's it's the blue box he tra that Doctor Who travels through. Yeah. And uh, so what happens is he ends up. Uh, basically, Brainiac says, the hell with this, I'm destroying all of it. And so he ends up going back into the beginning of the time, at the beginning of the Big Bang. And he's like, I'm going to stop the Big Bang from happening, and then none of us will be here. And because I know everything about everything, I don't need to collect any more information. I don't know what to do with myself, so I'm done with it all. And you're done too. And so, of course, they got to stop this. So what they do is, uh, basically what happens is Superman and Brainiac fight, fist fight. And the doctor does everything he can to, like, reverse the polarity or whatever he does to, you know. And basically what happens is... Yeah, his sonic screwdriver it, that fixes everything. Yeah, yeah. yeah absolutely. That's, it's a cool device, though. <laughs> uh, so what happens is they end up fighting, and the doctor ends up reversing everything, and they, they end up leaving Brainiac outside the Big Bang. And then they turn back to present day, and Brainiac dies in the Big Bang explosion, so everything's back to normal. So the doctor... So the Superman says, well, listen... You, uh, you can travel through space and time. He says, why didn't you save Krypton when before it exploded? And the doctor says, well, here's the thing. I wanted to, but can you imagine all the worlds that have been destroyed because Superman wasn't here? But I can tell you what I did do. When I was a lot younger, I met this scientist named Jor-El, and he knew Krypton was going to explode, but no one knew, no one believed him. And he said, he said he wanted to, you know, at least he had to do something, but you know what? So me and Jor-El came with this device called the matrix chamber and we put his little son Kal-El in there and we we created the matrix chamber together and we used it to take Crypt Kal-El and transform him to Earth. So the doctor ends up having a lot to do with Superman's origin and if not without the doctor, Superman never would have left Krypton and he's actually in, you know, entwined with his origin a little bit. Yeah, that's I, I love that. I love that the do the doctor basically says, "Listen, we could have saved Krypton." but you've saved so many worlds and countless lives that this one sacrifice saved millions and billions of people across the universe. So good stuff, man. What a great way to end too. look at that right on time. Andy, this was so much fun, dude. Um, we'll have to actually like write these out at some point. Um, or maybe not. Maybe we'll just come up with more ridiculous stuff next time. Yeah. I want to do some more. Whoa, whoa, whoa. So like you're, you're like your blossoms brother. <laughs> oh, <God>. <laughs> <laughs> and wait, there's like a show where you're married to Clarissa from Clarissa Explains It All. Wait, whoa. Oh, Lord.
Okay. On that note, again, this was Andy Barsh. Andy Barsh is one of our head contributors at GGR. Check us out. Check out his articles on uh, www.greatgeekrefuge.com. Um, and he's on some of our podcasts as well, so check those out as well. Andy, thanks again for coming in, bud. Thanks a lot. All right, bye. I just love the Superman theme, so I think we're just going to listen to this for a little bit. Uh, we've got another guest coming right up here, and this is going to be Ben. Uh, zombie, I'm sorry, Zombie Ben Bedgood. Uh, he is uh, one of our newest writers uh, on GGR. Uh, he just did a really, really good series of articles. Um, unfortunately, at the beginning of uh, 2016, and right at the end of 2015, we lost a lot of uh, really talented artists. Um, Lemmy Kilmeister from... Um, from Motorhead passed away in uh, at right at the end of uh, 2015, um, and then David Bowie passed away in the beginning of uh, January of uh, of this year of 2016, and then we just recently lost um, Alan Rickman as well. Um, so we're gonna have Ben come on here in just a minute here, and uh, he's gonna discuss um, uh, his tributes that we did. And we're just gonna kind of talk about the state of uh, of movies and music. Um, and everything. So give me just a minute here, guys. We're going to uh, take a, a, like a brief break just while I get Ben uh, on the phone here. So I'm going to play a quick song for you uh, while we're waiting here, and uh, we'll be right back in just a second. Ready? You hear that sound? That's Ben calling us. Ben, can you hear me? I can. Oh, look at that. And you got headphones on and everything, too. You guys can't appreciate this because, you know, you're hearing this, not seeing this, too. But Ben was kind enough to uh, to do the Skype on the video uh, chat as well. Uh, but this is Zombie Ben Bedgood. He is the newest contributor on GGR. Um, I was just telling him, Ben, I don't know if you were listening uh, to the show or not, but um, I was telling them about the uh, great tributes that you wrote for both Alan Rickman and for uh, for David Bowie. So um, kind of led into that and talked about how um, this first couple of months and uh, the end of 2015 has been a pretty rough uh, stretch for for artists of any sort. Um, let's kind of talk about that a little bit. Um, we'll kind of go in chronological order here. We lost uh, we lost Lemmy. Lemmy first. Yes. Um, and that one, I think a lot of people... Almost, I, I don't want to say underappreciated him. Because underappreciates the wrong word, but it with with people like him, you you almost take for granted that uh, unfortunately, you know, we're humans and we're mortal and we all pass away eventually. And well, it, the other factor with Lemmy yeah. is Lemmy and Motorhead together bridged a gap that very few bands ever could. Yeah, and that was brought bringing together the punk and the metal scene. Yeah, absolutely. Um, you know, Mike, you. You've seen me. You can see me now. You know, I am. Yeah, I'm a punk kid. I yep. mean, I love my metal, but I'm through and through. I am a punk kid. And so, you know, Lemmy really did help bring together that unity of two completely different groups to appreciate one band. Um, and that hadn't really been done before. So. You know, that in itself speaks bounds to him as an artist and what he did with Motorhead. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, I couldn't couldn't agree more. Um, and we're actually playing uh, Ace of Spades here in the background, too. Um, he's one of those people that if you like rock and roll music in any way, shape, or form, 
you like Lemmy. You have to. Like, it's just, it's it's like required reading. Like, you just, you have to appreciate what he did for the He's music scene. the equivalent scene. of Giver in sixth grade. Yeah, everybody had to read the Everybody had to read the Giver. Everybody has to listen to Lemmy. Like, everybody has to know Ace of Spades. Everybody has to know Motorhead. And, like, <clears throat> my favorite musical group is the Foo Fighters. And Dave Grohl was, was such a huge Motorhead fan. And when he did his uh, metal album, he, he did, like, a side project called Probot. And that was the first person that he locked down was Lemmy. And they did a song called Shake Your Blood. And Grohl talks about meeting him and saying that, like, Lemmy was the first, like, real honest-to-God rock god that he met. Like, he was just yeah. – he, he lived it. He breathed it. That was him. That was, that, was, that was rock. That was him. And he said not only that, he's like, when he met him, he shook his hand, he gave him a hug, and he goes, you know, hey, I'm really sorry about Kurt. So, like, upon first meeting – He's apologizing to him about, you know, Kurt Cobain's passing, which at this point was probably like 10, 15 years. Yeah. So, like, the fact that he made a point of, of coming out and saying that was was incredible. And Grohl just speaks his, speaks his praises whenever he gets a chance. And, like, the guy was incredibly gracious, too. I mean, for a rock star to be like, nah, we're not that big. We're just, you know, we're, we're, we do really good rock and roll. And, like, that was all he, he claimed he took from that was just was incredible. Oh, yeah. Yeah. I mean, it's. It was a shame too, and it's and we kind of talked about this too. Like he, on December the twenty sixth, he found out he was sick. He was dead by the twenty eighth. Like it, it was was so fast. I know. I it mean, was, it was it was insane. And from what I understand, it was like beginning of December is when he even went to the doctor. Where, you know, it was that like, hey, I'm not feeling so hot. Let me go to the doctor. And then by the end of the month, hey, you have cancer. And then a couple days later, he's gone. It, yeah. it was. I mean, there's fast, and then there's whatever that was. Yeah, yeah. I mean, but he went out on his own terms, just like he lived his life, man. It was, it was. This is the way I'm gonna do it. This is the way I lived. This is the way I'm, I'm gonna go. And I mean, you gotta respect that too, man. He didn't. Oh yeah. He didn't play that that whole Instagram feel sorry for me bullshit that a lot of people and a lot of celebrities play nowadays. So I mean, I, I just uh, tons of respect for the guy. Um, well, I mean, let me. Lemmy's passing, one yeah. of the things that came to mind for me was a phrase that was told to me by, you know, an old, you know, being in a recovery program um, for myself was being told by an old head guy, you know, straight Harley rider, yeah. you know, kind of guy said, one does not arrive in the grave gently placed there by six of your friends. You arrive in the grave, skidding in sideways, screaming, what a fucking ride. Wow, that's awesome. That was Lemmy. Yeah. You know, it's, I'm not going in easy. I'm going in the way I lived, hard and fast. Yeah, absolutely. So. Now, um, the next one we got is uh, is Bowie, um, which yep. was, I got to say with Bowie, too, like, I'm not as big a fan as you are uh, of Bowie's work, but, like, He's one of those guys that he he's he's an icon. He's a pillar of of everything of of the pop culture scene, like yeah. music, movies, fashion. Like he's all of that in one. Like he was. And I don't even know how to describe it. Yeah. He was. He wasn't of this world. I no. mean, it just he was a god in himself. And I do want to say to the listeners, um, if you can hear the screaming toddler in the background, <laughs> sorry, um. He's getting a new bottle. So, um, but with Bowie, it was that, you know, the news broke for me and I didn't believe it. And 
I saw it posted by a friend of mine. Yeah. And then when it rang true to me was, you know, my one of my all-time favorite bands, Dead Kennedys. Yeah. You know, they posted, you know, rest in peace. And I was like, that's when it hit me. You know, I'm hearing it from my idols, my punk idols, you know. And his music bridged so many genres. Yeah. I mean, it wasn't just, you know, the the rock, the pop. It was punk, metal, you know, every single artist out there was sharing their how Bowie affected their lives. I mean, even Marilyn Manson yeah. wrote a beautiful piece about how Bowie changed not only his mentality but his style so yeah and he it, it hit us yeah and with Bowie it was the same thing he nobody would have guessed I mean he just he just released Black Star and everybody's saying now if you listen to the album it was his goodbye song and you know Black Star went uh, I want to say um, it topped the charts I know it was in the news today uh, for either topping the charts or Breaking yeah. some record, it, I'm pulling it up on BBC right now. Yeah, but either way, I mean, like if, if it if if it didn't, which I'm I'm sure it did, it de- it certainly deserved it. I mean, the guy deserved posthumously that that kind of praise and accolades for for his album. I mean, for his work, like you can. I mean, uh, right now we're playing Space Oddity, but I mean, like it's everything Dave about Bowie's, his music. Yeah, uh, tops U.S. album chart for the first time. Um, reached the number one in the American album charts for the first time with Black Star, and it, you know, happened to be that he he hit that mark after he had passed. Yeah, and you know, like you know, I, in the tribute article where I state that, um, interpreter, um, <laughs> great comedian, I love him. Um, Robin Williams. Uh, no. Uh, oh, Eddie Izzard. Eddie Izzard. Eddie Izzard. Thank yeah. you. That Eddie Izzard, you know, said. Every radio station should be playing Bowie today. We owe him that. Yeah. And that was the thing. Was you know, for me, you know, with Space Odyssey, Space Oddity, it's yeah. a great song. Um, I lost it when I listened to um, Major Tom because for me that that was when you realize Major Tom doesn't come back. Um, yeah. And that what that's what really killed me that day. Um. I actually had a very close friend of mine who grew up being a Bowie fan because her mother was a Bowie fan. Yeah. Her mother went to Bowie concerts when she was a kid. And, you know, her mom was devastated. I mean, absolutely. Like, I was worried about her. Yeah. I'm going, is mom okay? Yeah. (laughs) Like, screw us. Is mom okay today? I hear you. Mine, uh, and I'm playing it right now, is is Under Pressure. It was was just one of my all-time favorite songs. And, I mean, it's got got Freddie Mercury and... I can just imagine Bowie right now um, in heaven, with, like meeting Freddie, and Freddie's like, "Damn, what kept you so long?" And the two of them just rocking out, like it's it's one of those songs that like it just it, it cuts through everything. Yeah, okay, so Vanilla Ice tried to ruin it, but that just shows how good this song was. Is that even his stupidity wasn't able to ruin how great and powerful this song is? It's just one of those songs that just is like when it comes on, you just you want to stop what you're doing and listen to it. That's a lot of Bowie songs, you know. It's like they carry memories. Yeah. Um, you know, Golden Years playing at my wife and mine's wedding. Yeah. Um, 
you know, great song, and anybody who's seen Night's Tale knows that song. Yeah. You know, they did a fantastic choreographed, you know, dance number to it. Yeah. Um, our next one um, was, I mean, I know you were a huge fan because you're, I mean, for crying out loud, you've got the Dark Mark tattoo on your arm, um, was Alan As Rickman. I'm holding up to the camera, which unfortunately the listeners cannot see. It's there, I swear, it is. It, yeah. It's really there. Um, but yeah, I, I, this is all you, man. I mean, I, I, I love Rickman, and my, my first memory of him was uh, Robin Hood, Prince of Thieves. Um, I mean, I, I saw Die Hard, but that, that was, I mean, he was Hans Gruber, and he was cool. But, like, the sheriff of Nottingham, it was the first time I was like, this guy's an awesome villain. But at the same time, he had these lines that were just, like, hilarious. Like, when he threatens, um, he's talking about all the punishments that have to come to the people. And he's like, no more merciful beheadings. And he stops and he's like, and call off Christmas and slams the door. Like, it's it, it's hard for anybody to be able to be both frightening and humorous at the same time. And he was able to pull that off. He was just an incredible actor. Oh, he was. And, I mean... He was also an incredible individual. Yeah. Um, you know, in the tributes that were, you know, played out that we saw from the Harry Potter family. Yeah. Because that's really what they've become over the years. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, when they're talking about, for Daniel Radcliffe talking about the fact that as he was growing up on set, you know, Rickman was there mentoring him. Yeah. And that at, they went from, doing the final movie and you know Rickman is seeing Daniel on stage in Broadway you know literally days apart yeah. and they you know even to this up until his death he was still visiting and seeing the shows that these kids were putting on that in a lot of ways Rickman helped raise on set yeah um and that speaks bounds to his character yeah. um as a person incredible actor you know what he did with snape nobody else could have done um and it's come out you know the jk rowling actually gave him details about the character before she ever even finished the book yeah i was reading that today yeah and that there were points on set where the directors would go hey here's what we want you to do with your character and he would just stop and go no i know what's going to happen and you don't yeah (laughs) and they're kind of like i mean for a director to be told that by an actor, you can only imagine they're just kind of left going, ah, yeah. excuse me? <laughs> it's uh, it's not my story, but I, I do want to tell it anyways. Um, I love the uh, the Evening with Kevin Smith series where he talks about getting ready to make Dogma. And it was the first time that he had done a movie that was going to bring in real actors that weren't like his his guys you know um i love that in that story he yeah. puts real in quotation marks yeah exactly well because well, i mean he had affleck in uh in uh in mall rats and so was uh what's his name jason london so i mean he did have some real actors in there but they weren't oh, his i thought we were not going to qualify ben as as a real actor oh geez come on all right you got to give you Gilles... i'm still bitter <laughs> over jersey girl okay fine but that was a smith movie too either way he was saying that this is the first time that he was going to have real actors like i mean a classically trained shakespearean actor in alan rickman and he basically like kind of grabbed jason muse by the shoulders and is like listen pal he's like i need you to be on top of your game like i could just imagine him be like all right no dick jokes like none of that i need you to be on top of your game and randomly hump rickman yeah exactly he and he was like and then jason muse ended up memorizing every single line of dialogue for the entire movie and 
Kevin Smith was like, what, what are you fucking Rain Man? Where, why, how did you do this? He goes, well, I didn't want to piss off that Rickman guy. Like, that they had that much respect for Alan Rickman before he'd even stepped foot on, on set was just incredible. And, and his tribute, Kevin Smith's tribute to, uh, to Alan Rickman was, was beautiful as well, saying oh, that yeah. they were, I mean, again, like you said, they were family. They were still friends after they had done the movie. And yeah, it's, it's, you saw, they, they always say that you see the impact you have on people through their, their words and their, their actions. And, and you could see it through. Cause again, Rickman, just like David Bowie, just like Lemmy did not make a big deal about this, did not tell everybody yeah. that this was happening. And you saw it after the fact how profound his impact truly was. And out of all the scenes in Dogma, you know, I was telling a, a friend of mine about this about this one scene that, yeah. you know, she had never seen the movie. And it's the scene where he's talking to Bethany about... Oh, God, yeah, in the to, lake? Yeah, having yeah. to break the news to Jesus as, yeah. you know, an adolescent that he is going to be brought up to save a group of people who in turn are going to kill and persecute him and that he will lose his life at the hands of the very people he is there to save. Yeah. And the emotion he conveyed with the line of, you know, if I could have lessened that burden, I would have. Yeah. And it's, that absolute moment of you don't have to be Catholic. You don't have to be Christian or, you know, be watching the movie to be, you know, pissing off the Catholic church, which that movie did. Oh yeah. Yeah. Of course um, it did. You know, Kevin Smith was excommunicated over that movie. Um, it's, but that alone is a moment that really puts things in perspective and makes you think about that story yeah. from the Bible. It, it and Rickman delivered it in a way I don't think anyone else could have. Yeah, I totally agree. Um, so with that being said, um, I mean, this is kind of a, a morose ending to uh, our podcast. Because, I mean, like at the beginning, I don't know if you heard the beginning or not. Me and Andy were talking about some stupid shit. So it's... Um, I was I was actually watching Stargate. Oh, were you um, really? Okay. Yeah, my wife actually hadn't seen Stargate SG-1. So yeah. we're now marathoning all of it. Nice. Yeah. Um. Yeah, I mean, let's kind of let's kind of end on a high note here. Um, what's what's been really, I mean, and we, we kind of talked about it. What, what's really been good about all of this, and it, it's awful. I mean, but it's if you're anything like me, you believe that that I mean, unfortunately, as much as we don't want it to happen, everybody has to go eventually, and it's almost enjoyable talking about the good times, talking about the things that you enjoyed about that person's life, because ultimately, in the end, it is a celebration. Because none of us are going to get out of this alive. We're, we're all going to have to go eventually, but at least we can talk about each other and talk about the things that we did and the things that we shared with each other and how they affected others in, in, a, in a positive, profound way. And that's really what this is all about. That's Bowie was an incredible influence on you, was um, yeah. on on the people that we all associate with. I mean, I, well, there's a saying that I I pretty much live by, and yeah. that is that you know music is life, and yeah. we've all heard that saying. But my elaboration on it is that. Music is the best friend you will ever have. Yeah. It is there in the saddest moments of your life. There is a song that you can remember when you've had that shit day at work and you get in the car and you put on that one CD, that one track, 
that you want to scream your lungs out to yeah. and you feel better. When you're bawling your eyes out, music is that shoulder that you cry on. And the happiest moments, you know, I will never forget, you know, the songs that I heard when my wife walked down the aisle. Yeah. You know, I was listening to Semisomics, um, Closing Time. Yeah. Shortly after my son was born. Yeah. And then actually later found out that that song has to do with the birth of his first child. Yeah, it was the, it's not closing as in, it's like the begin at the end of an era, beginning of a new era. Yeah. Right. And, but those songs carry those memories. Yeah. Good, bad, happy. I mean, music is there for us in a way that really no other human being can be. Yeah. And, you know, in the same way that movies are as well, film and television, they carry these emotions and these memories in a way that we can't capture any other way. Yeah. So music is life. Well said, man. Well said. Um, so, guys, that was uh, Zombie Ben Bedgood. Uh, he's uh, one of our uh, contributors, our key contributors at GGR. Check out his stuff, uh, www.greatgeekrefuge.com. Uh, we mentioned the tributes that he did, but he also did a couple of really cool articles. Uh, the one before you did this, before all that horrible stuff happened, uh, before <laughs> yeah. Bowie and before Bowie and Lemmy and and Alan Rickman passed away. I mean, you had that great article about Hellboy, so definitely check that out. Um, and I've got two or three more that still need to go up. Yeah, we're so. we're working on those. We're we'll, we'll get there with those. I wanted to give us a little bit of time. And not yeah. push a lot of stuff out because I wanted to give respect to some some awesome artists. Absolutely. But, but Ben, thank you so much for joining us tonight, man. I will see you tomorrow for the uh, Comics yeah. Online podcast. Thanks for having me tonight. All right, thanks, buddy. Take it easy. Bye. All right, guys. So we're picking up the music here, um, playing a little All American Rejects. Uh, move along. Um, that's gonna do it for us tonight on uh, on uh, GGR Live. That's gonna wrap everything up. Uh, definitely want to thank Ben. I uh, want to thank Andy as well. Uh, stay tuned, guys. We've got lots of good stuff coming up. Uh, check out the website. Again, that is greatgeekrefuge.com. Also, check out our uh, our partner in all of this. That's Comics Online. For everything geek pop culture, there's Comics Online, and that's comicsonline.com. More importantly, thanks to EK the DJ. Uh, he's been running the board. He's been doing everything. He is an incredible talent. He is a great guy. He's been really, really helpful in getting everything up and running for us. Uh, if you didn't get a chance to hear this live or you missed part of it, Stay tuned. Check on GGR because we're going to have it available up for you as a podcast. And because Eric's so awesome, it's probably going to be up tonight. But thanks again, guys. Thanks for tuning in. That's going to do it for us tonight. Uh, you guys be safe. This has been a GGR Pirate Radio Network production. Woohoo!